Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 92 of Freight 360. Ben, we are on. We're every time. Almost. I'm, I'm, I'm like, mark. we're going to get to the, going to get to the, what is it? The century mark. Century, but it's not gold. What is the, like gold is 50, right? Is that like diamond? No, that's 75. Uh, platinum. The platinum episode. The triple digit episode. Anyway, welcome back to Freight 360 episode 92. We got another episode with Nick Lining from Freight Lane Solutions. Nick, glad to have you back with us once again. I'm sorry, leaning. I said it wrong. Not a problem. That's the what's the one way you're not supposed to say it. So yep. Nick Lening with Freight Lane. We're going to do a uh, part two on Freight Broker tech tools and all kinds of good stuff. We didn't have enough time last week's episode to get really in, de- in depth with it. But I will tell you what, my LinkedIn has gotten blown up this week with people asking me what TMS should they use and also about some different tools. Same so, thing. Notice yeah. in our Facebook group, Freight Brokers and Motor Carriers, I mean, every day there's a half dozen asks and questions on what tools, what products do we need out there? So hopefully also, we'll go a little in depth for you on what these tools are and what you need. And if you're in that Facebook group, I apologize. We got to do a better job at uh, monitoring it because there's everyone and their brother is in there trying to make make you a dope logo for your company, right? I, I keep saying, <laughs> drop your business name for a dope and awesome logo for free or something like that. So, uh, and as a joke, I literally replied to the one girl and I said, Freight 360. And she's like, cool. Uh, I'll like DM me. And I was like, we are Freight 360. It was a joke. Like our yeah. logo is at the top. Of I the caught that. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so welcome back. Obviously, 91 other episodes. And when I say that, there's actually like 20 or 30 that you can't listen to because it's back when it was the Midnight Freight Broker and for certain legal issues, they are blocked and not able to be listened to. But the content is always recycled and revamped into our fresh episodes. Leave that review. We haven't gotten a, a written review in a couple of months, uh, but our listenership has gone way up. Our five stars have continued to be steadily flowing in. Um, yeah. You refer us to your friends in the industry and big news before we get into the episode. Big week for us. Huge. We finally did it. The Freight Broker Basics course is done. It's live. There's a link in the episode show notes. You can sign up right now and get in there right away. You get 12 months access to all of the content in there. We got videos. We've got text. We got audio. We got all kinds of stuff. Really, really cool stuff. If you want to learn, like literally, if you want to just start a brokerage, we tell you how to do that. If you're an agent or an employee of a company and you just want to learn some sales and operations uh, tips and tricks, it's all in there. It's basically our podcast and our website content on steroids designed, you know, for the person that wants to go the, the extra mile. Well, and I think that's important. It's not just geared towards people that want to start a freight brokerage. We covered a lot more material than what we've found in every other course out there that you and I've went through. We purchased every course we could find. We went through them. We took what was great and we took notes and we made sure we had everything in there that was out there and then multiplied it, I would say, by two or three. What do we have? Total pages? About 120? Uh, hundreds, it, was- it was well over 100 pages. Um, that's why I give people a full year. You know, some people are like, oh, we'll do a monthly thing. And it's like, no, just, you know, you buy it, you get a whole year. Yep. Um, I will tell you, 
you get a free month in our group coaching too. Because here's the thing, I've always preached that you cannot just buy a freight broker course and be successful, right? It's a, it's a foundation. It's all it is. Exactly. It's, it is like we take our best practices, our experience, you know, the current industry trends and things like that. We put it all, and, you know, doctrine, we put it all into a packaged course that you, ca- you guys can consume however you want, whether it's audio, uh, video, reading, whatever. But we always say you still like coaching is huge. That's why we give you a free month of the group coaching. That's going to launch at the end of this month or the last two weeks of this month. So get in there, you get a free month of it. But on top of that, I still think you've got to have someone in your corner. So whether you're going to go, you know, mentor someone else that's successful at it or, you know, do some coaching and whatnot, you've got to, you got to do it all. You can't just say, Oh, I got a course. We're good to go. No. So but it's, I would say it's hands down. I would put our course head to head against anyone else out there. And it's the best. That's Without a doubt. And I think, oh, yeah. and then some of the other things just wanted to mention, we'll have the introduction video, which goes through the entire content. It's going to be up on YouTube by the end of the week. So if you wanted a short, quick video to just see everything that's in our course, you'll be able to access just by throwing in freight broker basics into YouTube. And you can see the video that is the introduction to the course and it outlines what you'll learn, what is in every course and everything else. And there'll be backlinks in the show as well. If you want to just see the curriculum and everything else that's in there or for any more information, we'll make sure those are out there. For yeah. You. So again, Freight Broker Basics, it's live. Check out the link in the show notes until our new website launches. Um, that's the best way to get to it because we're not going to do a whole lot of work on our existing website considering Lean Solutions Group is already building one. Speaking of Lean, our friends over there, obviously, we've had Trey Griggs on a handful of times here. They are, in my opinion, they're, they're the best when it comes to growing your operation with the nearshore staffing model. There's other companies out there. Lean is specifically focused on transportation, and they're growing outside of that, but that's been their bread and butter for many, many years. So check them out. Actually, what's cool is, you know- And, and they just reached 3,000 employees in Columbia, I saw this week. So, awesome. I mean, that's a pretty significant so, scale. I mean- yeah, Hell, that's two thirds the size of all of TQL. I think just off the top of my head, I think. Pretty I mean, big. you're just you're just about up there. TQL's got a few thousand brokers, right? So, yeah, yeah, man. So check them out, LeanGroup.com. There's an app. There's a link in the show notes on every episode to get you guys to lean, whether it's staffing, sales, marketing, or tech needs. Check them out. All right, Nick. I feel like you just been hiding over there because you know I don't know. But how's your day going? Uh, my day is going pretty good. Uh, spending a lot of time uh, training on uh, our TMS, actually. <laughs> I was warned to not talk too much about TMS today because Ben's head was about to explode. But we're gonna, that's why we talked about it last week. So episode 91 hits hard on the TMS. We're going to talk about a lot of other stuff today. Um, but first, I do, I do want to hit on a quick sports update. Ben, do you have anything for like golf or anything whatsoever? Or should I just... Yeah, John Rom was leading in the tournament last weekend by four strokes or I think five strokes. He was 16 under on Saturday and he had come in contact with somebody with COVID earlier in the week. And after finishing the round, um, they were testing him throughout the day and he tested positive twice Saturday. So he withdrew from the tournament, um, costing him roughly $1.7 million. I didn't even, so I didn't watch the tournament. That's insane. Big wow. news, but I mean, he put a statement out there, obviously frustrated. He was asymptomatic, wasn't, you know, experiencing symptoms, but, you know, to keep everybody else safe and everyone around them and to do the yeah. right thing, he had said, you know, no harsh words. It is what it is. And he kind of bowed out. Yeah, that sucks. You know what? I bet a lot of the other sports pros out there, they feel for him because it's it's not like it was his choice. 
You know what I mean? It was. So, which I will tell you, speaking of it being your choice, it was the choice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I forget which hitter it was. I think it was last night. Dude puts a home run into right field. First of all, they're like, you know, it almost hit the pole, which if you're from Boston, that would be called the pesky pole in Fenway Park. But I don't know what it's called at P. You guys are PNC Park. Is that what you're saying? PNC. So yep. what I think I think it was in Pittsburgh. Hits a home run. So they're like, did it go in or was it out? It was fair. And then all of a sudden, like, the ump calls him out. Everyone's like, what? He's out? They do a replay. He didn't touch first base. He rounded he rounded the entire bases and never touched first, which I, I didn't know this, but that's... Well, Nick, you coach softball. I mean, when do you start teaching your girls that they need to touch the bags when they're hitting a shot over the railroad tracks or something in, you know, Lima, Ohio? I have six-year-olds on my U8 softball team that we uh, talk every game, every practice about touching all the bases. There so you I go. run the bags in practice. You know what? Nick, no if, if, if you know, if you want to take a break from Freightland ever, you may want to go hang out with the Pittsburgh pirates and make sure <laughs> those adult guys can do the same thing, but yeah, uh, hitting coach. <laughs> there you go. But on uh, the news in baseball, obviously the Toronto blue Jays are currently playing in my hometown of Buffalo. We like to call them the Buffalo blue Jays. It's a triple a stadium for the Buffalo bisons or the farm team for the blue Jays. So tickets have been going on sale. Um, they've been doing it in waves as new series come up. So like, Today, they, I think it was today or yesterday, they opened up the next, like, four series in Buffalo. You got, like, you know, uh, Red Sox, Yankees, like, really good teams playing there. And I'll tell you this. I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, when I saw the Red Sox play in Toronto, you can get a ticket for, like, 10 bucks if you go on, like, the upper deck. Because they're just, they don't have a big market for baseball in Canada. All of a sudden, you put, you know, a big team like the Yankees or Boston in Buffalo, and the tickets are, like, 200, 200 bucks. And then you get all these people buying them all up and then they're putting them on resale for two, three X. So you're seeing tickets like 600 bucks, 700 bucks. It's insane. But it's funny. They have 80% capacity right now. So there's two, there's an upper deck and a lower deck at, I think it's called Salem field. They always change the name. Um, the 100 section is meant it's all for vaccinated people. And then the upper deck is uh, socially distanced, non-vaccinated folks. So 95% of the tickets are going to vaccinated people near 5% go to the socially distanced people that take up an entire uh, upper deck. So, but anyway, I don't know. It's cool to see, but there's, they're supposed to reopen the Canadian border. The rumors in July. So I don't think that the blue Jays will stick around in Buffalo for the entire season. So I may never get to see my Red Sox play against them. So anyway, that's sports. Never say never. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers still doing Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'm will tell. Yep. All right. So let's talk uh, tech tools. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, I do want to know, Nick, what happened with the TMS say that Ben was losing his mind? Lack of training. <laughs> ben, like you did. You had a lack of training. Super frustrated. I was helping him with one of the guys that he's training that he just brought on. And it just irritates me when tools aren't intuitive, especially ones that I know I've used that are intuitive. And then it just irritates me because there's just a lack of forethought from their part. I'm like, how do you build a tool that requires all of these steps when they're really unnecessary? It's like the tool should make this faster for somebody. It yeah. shouldn't make it longer to get to it. And yeah. I'm with you, man. Just, That's one of my beefs with McLeod. And I know they've done a lot of updates and upgrades, but the version that I've seen lately is 
dude, there's like a million ways to do every little task and you got to hop around. It's just not, you, you feel like there should be a, a simple workflow. And that's why I want to talk about tools and technology and stuff for, for brokers today and continue last week's conversation is this stuff is meant to enhance your productivity, right? Not deter it. And again, get things done anything, faster. There's always a learning curve and there's some frustration and struggle whenever you switch, you know, or you have a new tool, right? It's just, you have to get used to it. It's changed. Yeah, it's a like learning something. curve. Yeah. All right. That being said, though, you know, like I, one of my best friends went to school for design and he's an architect and that's what he does professionally. And we've talked about this for 20 years. And it's interesting. You could see this in even in cars, cars that are designed intuitively. So when you go to reach for something, it's where you would think it would be. You get into yeah. other vehicles and other things, you're like, this just seems weird. And it's like, that's a really well-designed product. Just the same way Steve Jobs had that great quote 20 years ago. And he said, you know, Microsoft makes a decent product. It's just that None of them are intuitive. Like that's what differentiated Apple from Microsoft. They yeah. designed products. They're thinking about what you would want to do next before you've got to figure out how to do it. And they, they did fail at it a little bit along the way. Absolutely. We all do. Look, look at like our post on computers. LinkedIn today, right? You're going to fail your way to success. That's how you learn, right? You see my response? I said, I never fail. Just pivot. <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. But uh, all right, so tech tools, we hit on the TMS. There's a lot of other stuff I want to talk about, though. Um, let's start with load boards, okay? And hey, by the way, if you're a TIA member and you're in the new broker success package or program, on it's two weeks from now, the 23rd. 21st or the 23rd. 21st? Yeah. I think it's, I don't know, whatever. Uh, the, yeah, and two, like two weeks from now, we'll be doing a, a whole coaching session on this specific uh, tech tools thing with a bunch of new folks. So if you're in there, um, we'll be taking questions from you live, like we did on the finance one last month. But um, I want to talk, so obviously TMS, but I want to talk load boards. Um, Why does the load board matter, Nate? Why does it matter which load board any one of these brokers use? And I'm curious for yours and Nick's opinion. Yours first. Uh, Who's going first? Nick, Nick, give me your, give me your thoughts. Why does, why does your choice of load board matter? Or what matters, or maybe they don't matter. What's your point of view? Well, every lo- every load board has its own carrier base. Um, some are on multiple. Um, usually, the ones that are on multiple just are asking for more money. To be honest with you, but the the um, you know, there's just it's just like anything else. I mean, if you go looking in a different place for the same thing, you're gonna find another truck. Um, you, you know, it's. Not everybody subscribes to the same load boards. I think it's, it's a really of, good point. It's, yeah. It's kind of disjointed. And uh, I think it's by design personally. And I think it is. One of the ways I've described this to people is I'm like, it's like a very large marketplace. Like if you saw a physical representation of what these are online, you know, the largest ones would have like a whole lot of people in one room. And what I picture them is like what Wall Street looks like in the movies in like the 1920s, right? We've got a whole bunch of people yelling from one end, trying to negotiate rates, trying to see what's on the big chalkboard in front of them. And the larger ones have more people there, just like you said. And then if you go to another one, there's going to be different people there, different carriers, access to different accesses of the market. What's your take on it, Nate? Uh, I'm, I agree with Nick it, that... They all have a different, I mean, it's so here, I guess, let me just break it down, right? You go there as a broker, it's only as good as the carriers that are there, right? Yep. Um, and the so data I'm, they have. I'm a big fan of if you have a larger brokerage, 
um, to give your reps access to as much as they possibly can. And it, if it makes fiscal sense and financial sense to do that, like that and truck step are probably the two common ones that brokerages will use. Um, now that being said, their specialty load boards, like get, uh, not, not get loaded, but like bulk loads. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, I know we hit on this last week or like select us for dredge.com. Well, dredge is not really a, there's a load board. It, ser- it serves. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a load board because you go on there. It'll show. Yes. Loads and carriers. Yep. Um, but the whole point is if you do like general freight and by general freight, I mean like um, legal van reefer flatbed, you can get away with just a DAT or a truck stop. Yep. You don't need anything special. Um, that being said, if you like, I think I hit on it last week. If, if you're going to be like, well, you know, I don't need load boards. I'm just going to like try to network with carriers and all that. Like, I, I think earth. I think you're losing out on more potential business than you're saving in money. And the other part to that too is when you pay for these services, and again, you get a free link or a free month of DAT, any of their three products in the episode notes, there's links for it. But um, there's way more in the load boards that people actually use. So like, when you're going, when you're going into load board and posting, don't just post a load and pray like the po- post and pray method. Like, Oh, my phone will just blow up some lanes during certain markets. Yeah, it will. But like right now you've got to be using that load board for what it can do for you, which is give you access to carrier phone numbers and posted trucks. And you got to make out calls. Um, nothing pisses me off more than when somebody says, I can't cover this load. And then I look at it. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean you can't? There's all, there's all these, first of all, there's trucks literally posted right now as available. And there's all these carriers that exist in this area that we've run the same lane for. before. But they just assume if I post, I should get a phone call. That's not what, that's one benefit to a load board, but that's not all of it. So I'll bet Nick would be firing somebody if all they did was post and pray. Well, then that's what I wanted to ask. So, and I'd like you to shed some light on that, Nick. What, from your point of view, or from, I think we all pretty much have the same point of view, what is the difference in what you're going to pay when you call out on a truck versus one that calls you? Or is there a difference? Every single time there's a difference. Um, it's always more expensive to call out on a load. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Why is that? On, especially if you're calling on posted trucks. Because the only people that want to take the 300 phone calls they'll get from brokers are the people that are trying to get the best dollar. Yep. And they have the leverage, right? Like people are calling them for what they have, right? Yep. Supply and demand. When they're calling you for what you have, if you can get them to call you, you'll likely pay less. But Nate pointed out a really good point, which is if you are getting no phone calls, and you want to, you want the business and you want to service your customer, get on the phone, make the phone calls and take those options back to your customer or prospect at this point in time. Like, yeah, maybe they're not great, but it shows that you're proactive. It differentiates you from the other brokers that aren't willing to take action on it. And at least it shows them you're working for them, regardless of whether or not you're getting paid. Yeah. I think um, it's like Nick said, is you basically, you're in a position of power as a carrier if you're the one receiving the phone call from a broker right they know they know that um you want their capacity and they're going to make you pay premium for it so and on the other hand when the market or when the market is flip-flopped and carriers are blown up if you have a hot lane and you post it and you get 10 calls in the first 30 seconds like clearly the broker then has the, the uh the upper hand so um 
Well, let me ask you, Nate. So I think that's a really good segue. You were talking about carriers and like how you can use the load board because a load board is more than just a load board, right? There's a lot of tools built into it, Yes. Um, especially with DAT and definitely with truck stop. There's a lot of resources in there. So like, what are some of your go-tos that, you know, you see your agents use within, you know, the two larger load boards? Um, so first of all, a lot of people don't organically know about all the tools. And I think it's, it's good for, it's more so what do I try to reiterate to people that they don't, that they don't know about? Cause yeah. or what are you an advocate? The, the yeah. reason what I wanted you... to talk load boards is because they can integrate into your TMS, but I caution you, like it'll save you time to have, excuse me, to have auto posting where you just post load in your TMS and it blasts it out to that and truck stop and it refreshes every five minutes or hour, whatever. The downside is there's a lot of tools that don't always integrate in that you should still log in if you want to use them. Like for example, the DAT directory is extremely useful, especially when capacity is tight and carriers aren't posting all their trucks, right? For I'm just going to take a wild guess here that for every available truck in the market, probably five to 10% of them are actually posted on load boards as available right now because they don't have to post them. They can just look at available loads and call them if they want to. It's a very low portion. Remember yeah. when we had um, TJ on, you know, from the carrier side with Circle Logistics, he's like, look, yeah. the reality is, is right now the carriers know there's more loads than there are trucks. They don't need to post their trucks. So if you want to work yeah. with them, they're not necessarily going to be that many posted. But what is DAT directory? Like, so, walk um, us yeah. It so is. it's basically, there, there's a lot you could do with the DAT directory. Um, picture it as like a Rolodex um, of carriers. You're going to have their name, MC, address, phone number, all that stuff, right? So you can search through. There's a there's a search tool, which is I think in beta mode still, but it's been, a, been out for a while. You can go in there and literally- It works search. well. I've used it. Yeah. You can go through and search. Like if you have a lane, a certain load going out, you can search for carriers that ex- like that are domiciled out of that origin or destination, whatever, based on whatever kind of equipment type they've, they've selected that they have. And you can start making out calls or just networking. If even it's not a load right now, but you know, like, hey, I've got, I know in September, I'm going to have a bunch of whatever to move. Um, you can start calling and making relationships and building rapport with some of these carriers. It's just, it's a great way to build up your network of carriers um, through data that exists if you're already paying for it, right? So that's- and they're also really good for in-state or semi like short miles because in, like you're not going to- Interstate see- stuff. So like yeah. uh, Texas DOT or California DOT only. Yeah, yep. yeah Absolutely. You're not going to see a lot of trucks post up their availability to run two, 300 mile lanes or four or 500, like the stuff that can be run in a day. So yeah. those are good. That's going to be an ideal resource for you as a broker to find capacity and shorter lanes, um, stuff that's intrastate, just like Nate said. I want to ask Nick this. Um, so going back six years, when you were building up your carrier network, obviously you brokered previously, right? Um, but did you? what did you guys use? in order to develop your carrier base beyond what you already had, you know, the companies you had relationships with, was it just as you like hired a new carrier that amount? Did you guys do anything proactively like, like using a directory? How, what did that look like? Uh, we, we actually did a combination of what you guys spoke about. I mean, the directory, uh, to search the origin and destination. Matter of fact, that's directory, I believe tells you what states they operate in. Yep. So we would run a, we would run a list, uh, safer watch has where you can search, uh, based on states of operation and we'd start calling. And, but at the same time we would post and at the same time we would email previous carriers that ran it for us, whatever, whatever we, 
could do to, to make it happen. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that people that are at a smaller brokerage or a newer brokerage, and they're not sure how to, you know, what can I do with these, with these tools? That's a big part of them. Just because, just because a care, you know, just because you don't have a load for a carrier right now, doesn't mean you can't start building a relationship and a rapport with them. And that's one of the things I love about our page is that you do our webs or our Facebook pages. You do get a lot of carriers or brokers in there. Just looking to network. Like, hey, newer broker here looking to get some carriers in my network or hey, newer carrier here looking to connect with some brokers. That's awesome. And I think that's what makes that, that's what makes the, the industry work a lot better is when it's done. Um, you build relationships ahead of time and it's not like, oh, we're in a pinch capacity is tight. Someone's always going to screw the broker because they know they can get five bucks a mile on reefer right now. And then the broker's going to screw the, sh- the carrier over at the end of summer because then they can get their 30% margin to make up for all their thin margin. It's, you know, you have a good, consistent relationship around the calendar year and throughout the. the and market. I think that's a really good thing to point out, right? Like that's the natural progression of a freight brokerage. You will start by posting and having very few relationships with carriers. But as you run loads with any carrier that you find through a load board, what tends to happen is maybe next week or the week after that carrier might send you an email and say, hey, do you have any more of these loads again? Our trucks are back there. Now you're reaching out to your shipper, your customer and saying, hey, I know you might not have told me you had this load, but I now have trucks in that area. And then you start to work your way towards having some dedicated loads from that customer and having a carrier that you're consistently running these loads with every week that builds you in some predictable revenue. That's really where you're trying to head anyway with your brokerage. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I want to, there's another part to the boards too, is the rating and the analytics, right? And depending on which package you get from which load board, it's going to have varying levels of, of um, information and data. So like, for example, I think the basic level of DAT is going to give you like a 90 day market average, which I mean, doesn't do a whole lot, but it gives you a ballpark idea. Whereas if you spend more for the higher package, you're going to get like the 30 day, the seven day, the three day um, truck stop is the same way. If you get like their pro version, you get access to more with their is it rate view yeah. or rate. Uh, no, know, rate, rate, no. Mate. rate, rate, rate mate is ITS. Yeah. Rate yeah. mate is truck stop. Yeah. So um, yeah. Rate Here's view a- for DAT, but they both well, actually, one of the things I love about truck stop, not to, not to highlight our sponsors direct competitor, but rate mate has a really good tool that shows with a stoplight, like red, yellow, green origin destination of your lane, the loads posted versus uh, trucks posted. And again, it's only as good as the data that's in the system, but it'll tell you like who has the advantage. Yep. And obviously right now we pretty much know the carrier and the majority of lanes has the advantage, but throughout the market cycle, you can see as that shifts, it'll turn like yellow and then it'll be like, green, like as a broker, like you have, you know, basically pick of the litter on carry you want to hire and margin and, and, you know, price and stuff like that. So it's just, it's a good little visual, but use the tools that are there. Right. And I think a really good way to think about this, if you're confused and you're new to this and you're wondering like, what's the difference between a seven day rate and 90 a year or 30? And like, what does that matter? Right. Right now, so much. Huge. And why that is, is think of it like this. Think of the stock market, right? It's all fluid and it just functions as supply and demand. Like you wouldn't buy a stock based on what it cost last year. You wouldn't evaluate whether or not you would invest in something based on the price 90 days ago. You would want the most recent up-to-date information, right? 
It's the same is true in the trucking. Market. I guess if you're a day trader, which is more like what a freight broker does. Yeah, you are. Be- yeah. You care about what the market is right now. And to be honest, like the spot market varies a lot from any rate you're going to find, no matter where it is, because even your seven day averages right at DAT, if you have to go cover a load in the next two hours, you're going to pay whatever any truck is willing to do that work for. in that window. So you might be 25% above or below that seven day rate in one day. That's how much you can expect the rates to fluctuate. Yeah. I I can tell you guys as a new broker, what what we're talking about right now is important, but as a new broker, you're going to be most worried about your credit score and how you can monitor that credit score. Because until you get a credit score, the carriers aren't going to run for you. That's a good point. And, and that stuff shows on the load boards. Correct. So Days both, to pay and all that stuff. Both so that, how did you go about that, Nick? What were the some of the well, one thoughts of the, you have? One of the biggest tools that you got to worry about is um, uh, advancing. Because when you first start, you, you know, you might talk to 10 carriers that would do your load. And five of them will do it if you pay them completely once they're loaded. Or, you know, the other five might say, pay me half now and half when we deliver. So having access to those advanced tools, which is, you know, from what I know is EFS and comm data mm-hmm. is extremely important for a new brokerage uh, because you got to have a way to, to, to secure the truck because this truck knows you from nobody. Your credit score shows zero information. And then the next step, you, you got to beg people to report on your credit. You got to beg them to give you a one day term and then pay them in one day. Well, yeah. here's why that matters too. And I want to pause for a second, right? Because what Nick's talking about and what does happen in the market is with newer brokerages, since it's so it's it's pretty easy to get into business, you don't need to buy a building, you don't need to buy inventory. So what is very common with brokerages that are new is they'll take the money from their customer and just stiff the carrier and then just fold their business. Then the carrier tries to sue the brokerage. It gets ties up in court. Almost nobody ever gets paid. That's why carriers care about your credit score. Like, and it's it's big. Well, think about it this way too. The stat we had, like the majority of newly licensed brokerage and new, new newly opened MCs fail and are no longer active within one the first one to two years. So if that's the majority, if you're a carrier and you know that. Why the hell would you just trust anybody that's new that they're going to succeed and be able to pay their bill? You wouldn't, right? And that's why I think Nick brought up a good point, whether it's the comm check from comm data or EFS capability to send, which those are two companies that allow you to basically wire or advance money to a carrier for like a fuel advance or for lumpers or just as a quick pay, essentially. Being able to do that is going to Give that like they'll, they'll know like hey I'm not waiting 30 days and hoping that this company's still in business like I'm I'm going to get this money either a portion of it when I'm hauling their load so I know they're going to pay me or upon delivery right um, yep. so that's huge I think at, at the beginning when you do that and I think another thing too and the load boards do have this is reviews right and the majority of reviews on brokers are typically negative because it's just carriers bitching about they didn't pay me detention or they didn't give me a tonu for this. Um, so I'll tell you, if you're a seasoned broker, make sure you respond and address all of your negative. Well, how do you get uh, reviews How from both of you? I'm curious because that's something that I haven't had to deal with. One, how do you yeah. guys get reviews? And Nick, how did you get people to report? I'm curious um, both of you. Nick, done. You, you want to go first? Your report on my credit uh, was actually pretty difficult 
essentially I would have to find out that their factoring company declined because that's who's really reporting. I mean, carriers with one or two people in their office aren't going to take the time to go report on their days to pay from brokerages. So essentially, until you get a factoring company to, to factor your load, you're not, you're not going to get reports on the, on the DAT or, well, what it really is, is in Sonia. Um, so I don't remember the exact way I went about it, but long story short, follow uh, up or just ask. Emails? I, I had to talk to the, um, I talked to the person's account rep and essentially I think, I think the way I did it for the first couple months was, is I just got them to put the invoice in their system, but not, not to purchase the invoice. And then I would pay it right away. And then they would report that it was paid right away. Oh, so that you created an incentive to Give them something for reporting for you. Correct. So I just would pay them right away still, but I would, you know, um, like I said, I would, I would get them to report, get them to buy the invoice or at least put it in their factoring company's system to -hmm. get it started. And to be honest with you, I think the biggest thing I leveraged was when I heard a small factoring company, I jumped all over it because I knew that, you know, there was a chance that they had the power to do something about it. Yep. And, and there's really no other way around it. I mean, that I found, I, I gave this advice to a, to a guy two years ago and he did it, everything I told him to do and he's doing great, but without credit, you're not going to do great. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. One of the things I got uh, two, I'll share with you on reviews. So uh, when I was with LDI in the past, we put a push on reviews from carriers at one point, and we off we we sent out basically a survey to every an email to every carrier that hauled for us like the last six to twelve months. And we said like, hey, we're gonna we're going to raffle off a uh, whatever twenty five dollar Amazon gift card uh, to anybody that puts a review in positive or negative, right? We don't care yep. if it was good or bad. We just want you to leave reviews. Um, and then the policy was from one of the marketing reps that was there was every review, good or bad, needs to be responded to, whether it's on Google or DAT or whatever. Now I'm going to fast forward to now my time with, with Pierce, uh, Kevin Pierce, the owner of the company, he will personally, if, if there's a, if there's a negative review on DAT or something about detention or uh, tonus, uh, obviously, you know, every, in a company that has agents, you don't know how every agent is, you know, personally dealing with, carriers themselves. We can't see that, but right. we, know we get feedback. So if there's negative feedback, well, yeah, address it with the agent first. And if the agent isn't there anymore or can't resolve it, we'll reach out to the carrier itself. And if the agent did wrong by that carrier, we'll make it right. So like there, there's some, there's some people out there. If they, if they get in a bad mood as a, as an agent or as a broker, they're going to, you know, they might get detention from their customer and only pay part of it to the carrier, or they might get Tony money from their carrier or customer and only pay some of it or none of it to their carrier. And it just looks bad. So like if that stuff happens in your organization, you find out about it, you need to address it. You need to correct it. And that is where if you can take someone that leaves a bad review and make them happy and fix it, you just gain so much credibility for your company. And I think that kind of, um, I guess that uh, integrity and that level of, um, I don't know, trust with the carrots. It's going to make them want to work with you more than your credit rating with them is going to mean or days to pay. And, and that's like, hey, they, really you know, they do good business and they treat me fairly. So. so let me ask you guys this. I mean, while we're on the topic of credit, um, 
credit as it relates to customers or shippers? What are some tools you've used, Nick, to, or what's one that you use now? I know there's a one that you use fairly often that's a quick reference, um, I believe through ITS. What are some of the other things you do to evaluate whether or not you want to do business with somebody that one of your sales reps brings on or wants to bring on? Uh, that's the biggest tool we use. It's it's directly connected to Ansonia. It's updated daily. Uh, well, it's updated monthly. The rating's updated monthly, but the service is connected directly to Ansonia. And uh, yeah, that that's that's the main tool we use. Uh, it shows you days to pay, number of credit re- companies reporting, and a credit score. And what's it called? It's called Credit Stop with yeah, ITS with Credit Stop. stop. I credit stuff. So. Yeah. But it's pulling from Ansonia, you said, right? Correct. So Ansonia, and I'll I'll double down on that. They're they're great. They're a great a great wow. A Wait. great quick reference. Oh, we wabble it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're oh. a great quick reference to look at a at a customer. And I will tell you, there's a lot of subjective things that will not be listed on Ansonia reports. So for example, um, because you'll see like what the last 12 months or eight, whatever it shows on there. A lot of companies in 2020 took a really big hit from coronavirus and the the pandemic shutdowns. And I think you need to look at that stuff subjectively. And if you're not sure, call the customer and, you know, have them tell their story. And I think a lot of times they'll either be humble about it or they'll just, you could tell like, man, we got so screwed last year with the pandemic. We were paying people. So if they're honest about it, it's all good. People that try to like backpedal and try to like hide, you know, hide stuff. You can just kind of pick up on that, but there's a anyway. There's, subj- there's subjective um, information that you know that Ansonia report doesn't always tell what's you. Co- what's it? It's a good reference. I like it. Uh, you guys know what it costs. DMB is pretty good too. Do you know uh, what Ansonia costs? Tru- by chance? Truck Stop broke. Truck Stops Broker Pro has that credit report uh, basic information available for free, included in your subscription. Then you can buy the report for I think it's seven dollars. Yeah, per uh, per inquiry, right? Correct. Yeah. So yep. you get the basic information for free, and then it's per. Um, I, one more thing on Insonia, uh, they actually do a great job of keeping the information updated. We have actually speaking of the pandemic, our local distribution center for mail um, was down to like twenty five percent employee showing up. So we would have checks right when the stuff was at the peak that took 45 days to get there. Well, we didn't find out until, you know, the invoice was 30 days past due. So we couldn't correct it. Well, our credit score went down and I'll tell you what, we did everything humanly possible to correct it immediately. And uh, it showed up the next month that we had fixed the problem. So that's awesome. It's a great tool. But talk about that 30 day period. Cause you know, I mean, we were working together at that time. I mean, you know, you were coaching with me and it, it, I remember that, you know, two, three weeks, it was difficult to secure some carriers because of that credit hit. Yep. It really was. Um, You know, they, people were reluctant and the factoring companies actually stopped approving us for a short time there. Um, I, I don't know how many people listening have done it for, you know, started a freight brokerage six years ago, but that's a lot of hard work to get a good credit score. And then to have it go away in a day, it was pretty so No crazy. fault of your own either. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had no clue for 30 days that these payments weren't getting to them. So it was just nuts. Um, but like I said, we got it resolved and 
everything's all good now, but yeah. But was, I, rem- I remember that. I remember on our one coaching call, you're like, Ben, you're like, I realized how little brokering trucks matters. I'm really in the finance business. As soon as my credit rating took a hit, you're like, I, I can't really move freight anywhere yep. near what I, what I was a week ago. Yep. And this isn't like a business that's been in, you know, been around for 12 months, right? Like the better part of a decade you'd been building your credit score and, you know, with COVID them not being able to deliver your checks on time or know that they weren't being delivered on time made a, it was a big effect. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it took a lot to get that resolved too. We had to s- switch banks and get a ACH uh, system in place. I don't know what it's all called. I just know how to log in, but long story short, we did that canceled all the checks, stopped payment on, I think it was 32 checks by the time it was all said and done. And, you know, that's $25 a pop at the bank we were at. And uh, it, was, it was quite the hit. It's, a, it's sure. a mistake that stings, but it's a mistake you won't, you won't make again. You know, no, I don't even have <laughs> checks now. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's credit, right? Uh, credit is your, your ability to pay your bills. It's your character. And what's your old boss's quote, Nate? You need two things in this business. Yeah. You need your phone your- and your integrity. If you lose either one as a broker, you're done. Yep. It's, it's, it's true. Integrity is a huge thing. Now, I know I don't want to shift gears too hard, but I'm going to because we have a time limit here. But um, sale, the sales and operations side of the piece, the biggest tool that I think a lot of people fail to use effectively is going to be the CRM. So I want to talk about that quickly uh, before we get into the Q&A and, and wrap up the show here today. But CRM, Customer Relationships Manager or Management System, whatever you want to call it. It is, uh, you know, some of the big ones out there, Salesforce, uh, HubSpot. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of TMSs will have them built in. I think Microsoft Dynamics is another one. Um, there's a lot out there, but the, the biggest thing with a CRM, in my opinion, is, uh, you know, so like I use HubSpot, right? You can easily search a phone number, a name, an email address, and it'll pull up your contact, right? But putting the information in there for your prospects or your shippers or even your carriers, whatever the case might be, having accurate information, you can track emails, phone calls, any kind of notes so that anybody that has access to that CRM can see it, I think is huge. Um, now, Ben, I'm, I'm curious, actually, you, Ben and Nick, um, your opinions on the CRM that's built into a TMS versus a standalone. Do you guys have an opinion or a th- thought on that? Or cause I, my, I bet my biggest thing was that I've never found a TMS that had a, a CRM that was as good as the ones that were standalone because the TMS is designed to be a t- good TMS. A TMS. Kind of do a, what you're good at. Don't yeah, try to exactly. do everything. Yep. Well, well, I think, I think so many uh, I've, I've experienced three or four with uh, CRMs built in and they try to add features that are cute that they think are going to look neat. But the reality is, is it doesn't give you what you need. I mean, right. when you're using a CRM, you need to be able to email out of it. It needs to save that you emailed them and you need to be able to log your calls, hopefully automated, but it's harder than it seems. Uh, but that's, that's as uh, simple as it needs to be. I yeah. mean, there doesn't need to be a ton of information. Agreed. No. I think that the name, phone, email type thing is like that stuff's huge. If you can just get that in there and you have you can create you can create your batch of leads that you want to call one day. Uh, you can create like tasks and all that. And if you guys if you're not using a CRM, HubSpot has a free version, right? I mean, you, you can literally get a free version that'll give you up to a certain amount of contacts. And that way, if you like it, you can like spend the 50 bucks a month for the 
sales starter package or whatever it is. But well, the biggest thing yeah. with the biggest mistake I see with CRMs is that I don't think individuals are using them the way they're meant to be used and really using them to provide the power they do. Right. For instance, like um, well, actually Nick and I were talking about this last week. I'm like, if you're using a CRM correctly, and if you're, let's just say, making 50 calls a day, you shouldn't be calling the same 50 people every day. You should be calling out of those 50 people. Maybe you'll follow up with a certain percentage in two days, a certain percentage in a week, and a certain percentage you're going to send an email in two or three days. But tomorrow, you really aren't going to do anything with those leads. So if you use a CRM correctly, you should be able to work like two, three, or 400 leads at a time if you're really proficient at it with really no more work. The CRM does the work. So you, like Nate said, you dump your batches of leads in, whether it's produce in Florida this month, and maybe you're doing cucumbers in California tomorrow, whatever it is, right? You dump your leads in, you work your way through them. And then every time you call, what the CRM is doing is it's remembering what you said, what happened, whether you didn't get an answer, left a voicemail or sent an email, and then you just automatically pick the next date in the future that you want to follow up with. Absolutely. Because the number one reason people aren't getting business is because they're not following up. They are literally just calling numbers one time and then they go, well, I didn't get any business. This doesn't work. Uh-huh. Oh. They're not sitting there waiting on you to call. They're not regressively waiting for you. No, (laughs) they aren't. Like the average person makes one to two phone calls and gives up, but the average customer gets closed between the ninth and the 12th call. That's why you don't have enough business. The CRM does this for you. It takes the stress out of it. If you're, it doesn't make the calls for you. It's (laughs) the only thing. It'll keep them organized. Yeah. Some of them will make the phone calls for you. It'll tell you who you have to call today or tomorrow or this week. And if you don't do it, that's on you, but that's it. Good stuff. All right. Freight broker tech tools, part two of two. We, there's so much more. We just didn't, we don't have, you know, we don't want to make this a Lord of the Rings length episode. So, all right. So we're going to get into our Q and A, but first I want to talk about our friends over at DAT. I already mentioned this earlier, but you get a free month of DAT power express or trucker's edge, depending on if you're a broker carrier or both. So check out for a, check out the show notes for a free link right in there. Uh, we are an affiliate of DAT. So if you guys sign up and you stay with them, it's a way to, it's a way to give it back to your boys here on Freight 360 and give us a, a little pat on the back. So we appreciate you guys signing up through our unique code and, and link in the show notes there. Um, again, but I mean, DAT, the leader, the leader in the, in the load board industry, freight analytics, rates, data, all that stuff. They're, they're outstanding and incredible. Um, even if you already have a load board, they have carrier vetting with Carrier Watch, um, carrier onboarding through DAT Onboard. They have Rate View, which is a standalone rating tool. It's, an, it's a separate add-on to your load board. Really, really good stuff. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff they have. They have uh, DAT's uh, Broker TMS, which is previously called Keypoint. Um, I'm actually doing a demo on it next week, so I'm curious to see the, the new and improved version. But I've, seen, I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. So check them out. Links in the show notes three questions today. Uh, I love this first one. It's about dispatching. So the question is, (laughs) I've seen dispatching services explode in the last year. Aren't these actually illegal? So my answer is some people are doing it legal and some people are doing it illegally. What makes them illegal? Let's start there, Nate. Yeah. So 
What makes it illegal is if you're basically doing the job of a broker, but you're not licensed. Your job, if you're dispatching, is you are representing a carrier and that carrier's motor carrier authority, the MC number, right? Yep. You cannot go around shopping carriers for a load that you find on a load board. That is essentially a broker that's double brokering. You can't do it that way. What you should do is you represent a carrier and that carrier pays you for your services of finding them their loads, typically maybe 5% or a flat rate of like 50 bucks. The purpose of a dispatcher is in a smaller trucking company or maybe an owner operator, instead of them having to, um, you know, spend the time themselves or to hire somebody to do this job of finding the next load or routing their, their fleet around, that's where dispatchers come in and, and take that job off of their plate. And there are yeah, some like really good dispatchers out there. And there are people that just see it as a cash cow and as they think, and they come on and they essentially are doing it illegally, trying to pretend they're a broker when they're not. So, and, and what that really is, yeah. I, I mean, if you're representing Sandra Gaines has a really good post on it too, where she broke down the legality of it. So, check it out, Mad Gaines. But yeah, one saying? carrier versus representing a bunch. I mean, that's yeah. really a thing. You should be representing the carrier's point of view. If you're taking loads and then trying to find the carrier acting as a broker, and that is definitely. Yep. That's it. That's it. Because remember, for you to be able to use um, a load board and to search for available brokered loads, you should have a motor. You should have an asset-based MC, which will allow you to be seen as a carrier. You have carrier access on like that, right? If you don't have an authority and you're just going in there, you're acting like a. You're, that's that's where that's where you cross the line. Is if you're not representing a single carrier and yep. using their load board access and whatnot. So I don't know. It gets messy, especially when you get these. These dispatchers that represent like four different carriers, and now maybe maybe two of their carriers that they use both have capacity for the same load. Then you're like, you know, who's going to pay me more? That's when it gets really, really gray, and you know, you kind of cross that line. So, I don't know. anyway, um, two here. I think there's a good plug to make here on Tech Tools. What's it's, that? Uh, carrier four one one. Uh, my carrier packets, uh, RMIS, they have their own uh, carrier validation process built in so that people can't use MC numbers without uh, their, um, you know, use an MC number to book a load with you without being approved by that carrier. Yeah. It's no, that's really huge. I didn't even think about that. I'm a huge fan of my carrier packets. I, I've only used RMIS as a, as required in part of a co-brokerage agreement for setting up. Um, but I heard it's awesome. Um, 411's great as well, obviously. But yeah, good uh, good hop in there, Nick. Um, all right, next question. Ben, what's, what's what is the most, the most highly... <laughs> let's hear it. What's the question? What's the most highly recommended school or training program to attend? Um, well, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say Freight Broker Basics course from Freight 360 with a link in the show notes which gives you a free month of group coaching. Uh, no, so the, I, that's my opinion, honestly. I was never a big fan of the freight broker schools. Um, I always thought maybe the best one out there before us would have been TIA's course because they, uh, they're they a they're a big, respected player in the industry, and I think they put out decent content. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of crappy ones out there. Uh, for example, I've heard nothing but – so people that take, like, freight broker boot camp – I had some people call and they were promised that they were going to be um, qualified to be an agent 
after they took this course and they don't have, they have no experience. They have no, um, no one in their corner after they take the course, no customers. And they're just like, Oh, I kind of got misled there. I'm like, well, you get your, get what you pay for. Right. You know, if it's 200 bucks or whatever for the year. And I've seen some other ones that are just absolute trash and they have, they don't have anyone that's even credible that created no. the content or delivered the content. So it's like, but if you're new and you don't know the industry, that's, I think that's the problem though. You just search oh. free book or training. You're going to find well, the problem we set out to solve. To solve. It's going to be an uphill battle, man. It's not, we're going to solve it overnight, but uh, yeah, but I, I'll tell you this, like I said earlier, any training alone is not going to set you up for success. hundred percent. You've got to couple that with um, someone Invest in your, your corner, time. whether it's coaching or you're going to go work for a company that's going to show you some training with that on the job training is the biggest uh, biggest value add that you're going to have as a broker experience wise. Cause you can only learn so much from, a, from training. You've got to actually get out there and do it. So yeah, good stuff. Any final thoughts on that question before we get to the last one, do your research too, like ask for a referral or something like that. So yeah. All right. Last question. I'm considering joining a three PL or brokerage as a W two account manager. Is 35% commission fair. Well, I, I mean, you came from W2. You probably would have loved short, to get 35%. Short answer is yes. <laughs> um, if you're getting a salary, that's definitely good. Yeah, um, that's that's a really big- That's uh, above market. Yeah. I think um, I've seen on average 20, around 20% plus or minus five either way is what you'll usually see along with like a um, small salary, 30 to 40 grand, maybe a draw in there. 35% is huge though. I mean, that's is, that's is hard to get as a W-2. I've seen single digit payouts for W-2s. Yeah. Like they might get a $40,000 base and get like 7% or 8% commission or 5%. I see people got 3%. Uh, I think what's important to remember there is if you are asking a question like this or you're out there evaluating this as an option, you need to think about where you are and everything that you're going to get for that, yes. right? Like if you're, you know, Nate and I talk a lot about having a mentor or a coach or somebody that can help teach you these things. If you're going to go work as a W-2, you're likely going to get, you know, some really good one-on-one -on -one experience with tenured brokers. There's a cost to that. Yes, you'll probably be helping them with their loads and you're going to be doing some work, but you're getting something in return for that. So, you know, don't overlook that. Yeah. I think the question you can often ask yourself, and this goes for any kind of career advice is not where do you want to be this week or next week, but where do you want to be in a few years? And if, if you can go work for a stellar company, that's not going to treat you poorly. If you ever decide to leave um, and it, maybe they pay you a little bit less than the other guys, it's probably better for your long-term success versus maybe you go get this 35% commission you try to leave and go on your own as an agent or whatever, and they steal your customer. I've dude, I've heard horror stories of an agent that would hire sub agents, and then they would get a couple customers on. Next thing you know, the agent calls those customers and is like, "Yeah, so and so, I had to let them go. They were unethical. This, that, and the other thing." And like, I would love to still work with you. They basically steal customers, and they yep. churn, turn and burn all these new people. It's like, dude, that's why you, you just you gotta. Just like the last question about which school or course to take, like, vet, do your research, vet. ask for references. Yep. So, I always, I always like to say, like, uh, um, if you want to know how a company is to work for, like, talk to some of their past employees, people or that have some left. of the, some of their like vendors or customers, and like, just how, yep. how do they how do they treat people? How are they to work with? 
and they'll give you really good feedback. So for the most part, good stuff. So yeah, that's a man. What a good episode. So much content still couldn't get through all of it. We had like accounting stuff to talk about and, but Hey, is what it is. So we got an episode every week. Absolutely. Nick. Awesome. Having you on again, man. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Yeah. Hopefully next time we'll, we'll we'll have to have you on again. And hopefully Ben is having a uh, stress-free day and no, uh, no TMS issues. So there you go. TMS stress. Yep. It's a thing. It's a real thing. Like PTSD post TMS stress disorder. (laughs) It's awfully close to PMS. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. All right. Awesome episode. Ben, any final thoughts that you've got? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.